I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So I listened to Tom Brady talk about Sleepy Tom in front of Sleepy Joe, and now you have Sleepy Rick because I've been up since 2.45 in the morning. We're doing this podcast uh, after I have returned from Washington, D.C., where the Bucks were welcomed at the White House for their Super Bowl 55 championship. Wait, 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 wait a minute. A Tampa Bay team was at the yes. White House? Yes, this time officially uh, for, uh, for, for winning a Super Bowl. And uh, as, you know, as Brian Glazer succinctly said, this has been 20 years in the making. I mean, you know, they won the Super Bowl in the 2002 season, January 2003, Super Bowl 37. And, of course, uh, they were unable to go to the White House because there was the uh, Iraqi Iraq invasion by the U.S. troops. Um, a lot of things that were happening um, uh, in foreign soil and, and wars and that sort of stuff. So um, they weren't able to go. The next year, the Tampa Bay Lightning won their first Stanley Cup. And then there was followed uh, shortly after that by a lockout. So that certainly, uh, you know, gummed up the works for them. And they didn't get to go to the White House. And then, you know, of course, the, the last championship uh, before this one, um, the the Lightning won in a bubble. Uh, the Bucks then won a Super Bowl, and then the Lightning are, are Stanley Cup champions again, back to back. So, at some point, you would think that the Lightning would get their uh, their bite of uh, not the Big Apple, but of Washington D.C. And uh, I think you know Joe Biden, having made a successful bet with uh, what Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada, uh, certainly has to pay off on that one. But you know what? It 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 was if you're a Tampa Bay sports fan, if you're Somebody that has suffered not just with the Bucks, but um, you know, with, with what had been kind of a championship drought uh, in Tampa Bay, and now it's Champa Bay. What a day to sit there and watch sort of what unfolded at the White House, and um, you know, to hear the uh, President Joe Biden talk about maybe maybe Tampa, you know, is the city of champions, and it indeed is that, and uh, you know. You grow up sort of watching teams go to the White House and uh, celebrate championships, and you always sort of, you know, imagine like, uh, what if that was yours? Well, it was theirs, and they were spectacular. You know, I, I, I can take you through the day. It's not. A, it was a long day. It's not a normal day when you go to to the to the nation's capital and specifically to the White House. There's a lot of layers of uh, security that you have to go through, certainly with COVID. Um, you know, we had to be tested. I was sort of flying in with Greg Allman at the Athletic, used to be my colleague at the Tampa Bay Times, and um, we had to find an address on, you know, near the 1700 block. The White House is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, obviously. Uh, the security is, is, as you would expect, very tight around around not just the, the Capitol but the White House. Um, you can get fairly close, however, um, with respect to the fences, there's not much fencing up um, until you get close to the grounds. But, uh, you know, you got to go through a process. I mean, there's credentialing. Um, you know, they got to examine your bags. We waited forever for a dog. I had taken any dog to look at my bags. I was there so long. I was like whistling for him after a while. Um, but we finally got in there. And, 
you know, the Bucks uh, came in a couple of buses. They had 41 players. And then uh, I would say most, if not all, of their assistant coaches and head coach Bruce Arians, of course. And there were some guys that weren't there. I'm not, I'm not sure why. I don't want to speculate. I mean, there was no Mike Evans, no Levante David. You certainly would expect those guys to want to participate in that. Um, I'm not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if the NFL and or the White House said, hey, bring vaccinated players only, um, just in the interest of not having to do all the COVID testing and, and you know slow things down. But I don't know that. I can't tell you whether you know Levante or Mike or any of those guys, or Gronkowski who wasn't there or were or were not, are or not vaccinated. But um, they were the notable names. Everybody else, though, 41 players, as I mentioned, uh, all the coaches and, and um, assistant coaches. And it was just it was just really cool. You know, we, uh, as a media, we kind of had to wait around, as you would expect. They were getting, um, you know, the nickel-plated tour of the White House that you just don't, you know, get very often. But uh, it was funny watching Instagram, like all the players were sort of videotaping themselves live as they're walking through the various rooms. Um, that was a lot of fun. But we sat in the White House briefing room, which, you know, everybody is familiar uh, with that podium, right, whether it was Sean Spicer in the early Trump days or Jen Psaki now uh, as the White House uh, communications director there, um, you know, doing the briefing. And uh, I will say this, most of the time what you see on TV in your mind's eye, you expand it and you think it's much larger than it is. Having been to the White House briefing room, I was stunned by how small it is. I mean, it is it is a cracker box. That's and what everybody says about that room. It's just crazy how small it is. It's the James Brady named named after uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, what chief of staff or, or communications director, whatever um, that was shot uh, in the head. In fact, and and you know, of course, you you know you watch those briefings and you see the communications director up there on that podium, and it's so cool to be in that room, um, but then you realize those reporters are really on top of each other. I mean, it's it's a cramped quarters. So we waited there for, for a good while, and then finally they took us out to the South Lawn, uh, which is which is terrific. I know most people have seen, you know, Marine One take the president um, away from the White House either to get on Air Force One uh, at some airport or Camp David or wherever, um, that's the South Lawn there with the water fountain. You remember, uh, you know, after the inauguration, Joe Biden came out on the on the balcony there from the residence um, overlooking the South Lawn. He was there watching, you know, fireworks on the 4th of July. So that's it's a fairly famous place. Um, Washington, D.C., this time of year, is a shrimp bake. I mean, it is hot, man. Like, you know, there's there's Tampa hot and then there's Tampa hot with no breeze, <laughs> and that's what we had in Washington. There were some dudes sweating. Uh, we will all be going to the dry cleaners, I assure you. Everybody, uh, for the most part, wore suits, and uh, it was not pretty after a while. Um, but when they finally let us out there, it was just really cool. You know, you had like the Marine Corps band playing, and and uh, you know, uh, quite a few politicos, people from. The state of Florida, guys like Bill Nelson was there in charge of NASA and uh, Charlie Crist and some others. But, uh, you know, the the biggest thing is, you and, and, you know, irrespective of politics, we'll get to the politics of this trip in a minute. But when you hear uh, the band start to play Hell to the Chief, I'm sorry, I'm standing in front of the White, in the South Lawn of the White House and I hear Hell to the Chief. It gets me. It really does. Like, there's so much 
reverence for that office and, and you know, uh, for our, our nation's capital and, and particularly the White House. And um, you, you start to hear it, da 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 and, like, it, it gets your, your blood pumping a little bit. So the team came out. They stood there for a good long while, and then eventually um, President Biden made his way out with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady <laughs> on either side of him. And uh, no surprise that, you know, look, uh, Tom Brady had not been back to one of these since 2005. In fact, the last three Super Bowls that the Patriots won with him, um, he did not attend. And there wasn't one in the final Super Bowl that he won, uh, you know, for uh, they had stopped doing him at that point. I think, you know, there was, there was a point where the Eagles kind of players refused to go. Uh, there was the kneeling and all that stuff. It became very politicized. Um, and then, of course, COVID happened. And so, uh, Brady had not been back for some time. I'm here to tell you he was not going to miss this one, and he did not did not disappoint. No, his comments were well-timed, classic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've seen some snide remarks on Twitter and that from people, but they're jokes. They were jokes, and he, and he, and he you know what? He, he has the timing – and he has the ability to to pull them off. Like when you read them, you go, "Ooh, you cringe." They're cringeworthy, but when you hear him say them uh, in a self-deprecating way, and that's, you know, Tom. Uh, for for all the things you can say about Tom Brady, he's one of the more humble superstars you're ever going to come across. I mean, this guy um, truly meshes with every teammate. Um, he he doesn't expect special treatment. He likes to be one of the guys. He he sort of you know knows his role and that he's going to be called out at times and he'll do it. Uh, he prefer to give credit to everybody else. And, um, you know, and look, there, there, a lot of people say, well, you know, he golfs with, with former president Trump and, and had the MAGA hat and all this stuff. All I can say is he knew where he was. He knew he wanted to, to be there. And, and in my mind show a contrast, uh, to what he didn't do when he was with the Patriots the last few years, and and maybe he tweaks some of those people up there. I don't know whether it's Bob Kraft or some others, but you know, for him to say, you know, personally for me, it's nice to be back here. And then immediately he goes to sort of the self-deprecation when he goes, "Well, we had a game in Chicago where I thought what down, where I forgot what down it was. I lost track of one down in 21 years of playing. They started calling me Sleepy Tom. Why would they do that to me?" And he looks at Biden. I just thought that that was funny, self-deprecating, right on the spot. Um, you know, and, and he kind of continued on. I mean, he was very complimentary of his teammates. He talked about the season, sort of how they struggled, um, how it didn't look good at one point. He said we were seven and five, struggling a little bit, as the president alluded to, uh, but we found our rhythm. We got on a roll. Um, and then he had another zinger. He says a lot of people didn't think we could have won. In fact, about forty percent of the people still don't think we won. <laughs> and Biden responded, "I understand that." <laughs> so again. Um, lose the politics, understand the humor, understand uh, Brady's, you know, just complete control of the situation. I mean, he knew that he was going to be the star of the show. He knew he had to deliver, and he came prepared. And it, it wasn't off a prompter. I mean, he was, you know, he. I'm not saying he had lived these lines. Let's not. Let's be realistic. But um, he pulled it off, and he did it in a, in a great way. And um, everybody enjoyed it, and it was, you know, it didn't stop there. I mean, there were there was a lot of, you know, sort of things that happened behind the scenes or during the day that I thought were interesting. 
you know, the 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 by play between Joe Biden and Chris Godwin, um, you know, who was born in Pennsylvania, played high school in Delaware, not unlike Joe ba- Joe Biden, who of course is a senator from Delaware, uh, from Scranton, PA. So there's there was a lot of parallels, even even Bruce Arians from York, Pennsylvania. You know, all those guys are kind of from that that neck of the woods. We didn't know this, and I think this speaks to who Chris Godwin is. Joe Biden called Chris Godwin before the Super Bowl. Isn't yeah, that crazy? I was going to say, I didn't hear that until never. Today. He never mentioned that. Chris Godwin has never mentioned that, that he got a phone call from Joe Biden wishing him luck before the Super Bowl. You know, and that's, to me, that says everything about who Chris Godwin is. You know, like most people be like, you won't believe who called me. I got a call from the Brett. Not Godwin, you know. Was very very humbled by it, um, that connection you know uh, that they have uh, is is unique and and something that he values and um, you know they spent a lot of time talking you know together on Tuesday. Um, it, it just was really it was a cool revelation and you know obviously uh, they've you know he congratulated him on winning the Super Bowl. I thought it was cool too that that uh, and this is not. Again, Biden made a bet with the Canadian Prime Minister that the Lightning would win. So he's he's well aware. He says, "Boy, I tell you," he goes, "Gotta say something about the fans down there in Western Florida are having a pretty good year." <laughs> you know, I'll tell you. He says, um, "You know, the Stanley Cup in addition to Super Bowl, but you know, we're making a pretty strong case to start calling Tampa Bay the city of champions, or Champa Bay Joe, as we call them." Um, I was waiting for that line, but uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was nice that he acknowledged that. Uh, that this area is on on quite the championship run. In fact, he'll be shaking hands, I'm sure, or hopefully be shaking hands soon with John Cooper and Steven Stamkos and you know Andre Vasilevsky and and Victor Hedman at the White House as well. Um, but he talked about you know sort of how the Buccaneers, you know, look, uh, we needed the NFL last year. We needed it during COVID. We you know with or without fans, the empty stadiums. Um, you know, Bruce Arians has consistently talked about how the vi- they couldn't let the virus beat them, and they were, um, you know, as as good as any team with respect to, um, you know, trying to minimize their their contacts uh, with with COVID nineteen and, and loss of games and things like that. They did a super job with it, and you know, the the organization donated two hundred thousand, nearly two hundred thousand meals during the pandemic. Um, they let a drive for voter registration. They use Raymond James as a center of COVID-19 vaccination. So this organization, and particularly this ownership group, and they were all there, by the way. Everybody from the Glazer family that I knew was there. Brian, Joel, and Ed, obviously Darcy, Glazer Katzowitz, uh, Malcolm Glazer's widow, uh, Linda, was there as well. Abram uh, was there, Glazer. So uh, they all showed up and, and, and showed out. And you know, it was just uh, it was a it was a big day uh, for the Buccaneers organization. It was a big day for their fans, and that's the thing. Like I'm I'm there trying to imagine what it must be like to be watching this either on TV or seeing a replay of it or um, reading about you know some of the things that Tom Brady had to say um, after the you know after they came off the podium. Um, we went into an area referred to as Pebble Beach, which was sort of outside. Um, the grounds there and had a chance to chat a little bit more uh, with guys like Indomitian Sue and Ali Marpet, uh, Chris Godwin and Bruce Arians. And, 
you know, it was interesting what they said. I mean, you know, Sue, who's, you know, been in the NFL, uh, what, 12 or 13 years or so, you know, just said that, you know, this, this is, this is like the pinnacle of your career. I mean, you want to do this again. I think that's why all those guys came back. Um, but something that, you know, when you get invited to the white house as a world champion, you want to experience. And, and so it was cool for him. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting Like Bruce Arians, the, the one emotion, uh, that was stirred was Bruce Arians who got choked up when he first uh, came up to the podium and took the mic. And I think a lot of things kind of flashed before him. He had been to the White House a couple of the times, um, certainly once with the Pittsburgh Steelers when they won the Super Bowl. That was as an assistant coach. Imagine being 68 years old, um, haven't been a head coach for that long. And, you know, again, it's one of those, you know, sort of one of those moments where, uh, you know, goosebump moments where you realize I'm the head coach of a Super Bowl team being honored at the White House. And he got up to speak and, and he said, I'm a little emotional. He was choked up about it. Um, and then, you know, he went on to say a few things that were political in nature. Uh, in nature. He said, well, look, we live by three words. And he kind of, he sort of used his team as a metaphor for the for the nation. He said, trust, loyalty, and respect. We don't have any rules. You follow those, you'll have accountability, and you'll be able to do anything you want. One team, one cause. Then he turned to Biden and he said, "I hope the Senate and the House start helping you." <laughs> and uh, and later on, he he talked about those remarks. He said, "Yeah, come together and get something done. Quit fighting. It's not two countries; it's one country." So there was a unifying political message, uh, not aimed at any one particular party, but more about government itself. That's that that is broke. And needs to fix them and pull in the right direction. So, I thought that was interesting. And then finally, um, while the Bucks were taking their tour of the White House, uh, a couple players, Bradley Pinion and Donovan Smith, broke off and went into the West Wing and met with uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. And you know, uh, talked. These are two guys that are on the uh, uh, Social and Justice Committee for the Bucks. Uh, they've been having, uh, you know, registered uh, voter drives, trying to trying to get people signed up to vote, and I thought that uh, uh, that was interesting. That's that's obviously something that's a, a real something close to uh, Harris's heart. Uh, but they got to meet with the vice president. They presented her with a jersey because Biden was presented with number forty six, the forty sixth president of the United States. Um, Kamala Harris was was presented with forty nine. And I couldn't think of what the relevance of 49 would be other than... She's the 49th vice president. She is the 49th vice president. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Now, my wife said, she goes, well, she's from California and, and maybe the 49... I go, nah, they wouldn't give 49 of a Bucks jersey to somebody who's a no. who's a San Francisco 49ers fan. But no, it, it was her number. Uh, yeah, the 49th vice president, which is why uh, she was 49. So, yeah, it was cool. Um, and then, you know, Mark Pett and those guys talked afterward about, uh, you know, how this gives them a huge platform and they, they should utilize it regardless of your politics to do uh, what they can to help others. So, you know, just a just a fun just a fun day, a, a, a very tiring day, more tiring for me maybe than the Bucks who got to charter in and out. Um, but one I think people will remember for a long time. Look, this franchise is, has made quite an accounting of themselves here. Uh, not just winning championships, but you know uh, whether it's the boat parades, um, you know the the closeness of the team, the way they 
you know, showed up for this, uh, this event at the White House. You can tell that I think there's a lot of parallels. I really do. And I, look, I don't know if they're going to you know, go back to back the way the Lightning did. I think there's a lot of parallels to the Lightning in that this team's not going to be together much longer as, it's, as it consists now. We know Tom Brady um, is probably not going to play more than two years, and it could be less than that just depending on what the health of, uh, of him is. But um, you have a lot of veteran players. You have Indomitian Susan, Jason Pierre-Pauls, and Levante Davids, and people like this. And I think they had so much fun last year winning uh, the Super Bowl. And yet, um, while they weren't in a bubble, it wasn't quite the full, you know, uh, trappings of of a world championship. You had 25,000 people at the Super Bowl uh, itself, which is a mere pittance of, of course, what that crowd would be, how it would sound. You you know, um, the the press conferences were Zoom calls. Uh, There wasn't really a media day per se. There's so much that, that goes into that week um, that teams get to enjoy and get the exposure, and, and it was just not going to happen uh, in that form. So I, I do think that there's a part of them that, much like the Lightning, they know after this year, certainly after next year, um, this group's not going to be together. Uh, you got a lot of aging players. Uh, you, you know, you got guys uh, you know, that are, in, in essence, playing for another championship. And and I think they they enjoy each other and they're they're selfless, um, much like the Lightning in terms of all the block shots and they don't care who gets the credit. I think that's that's who the Bucks are and I, I think it's going to serve them well as they try to defend this thing. But it's uh you know you, when you're around them you you understand just how close they are as a football team and that that's important. Isn't it amazing how really all three of our teams. They're way. all like that. They I really mean, are. There is a lot of perils of lightning, but the Rays are the same way. It's they are. Pitch me in the first inning, the fifth, the seventh, yeah. the ninth. Uh, yeah. Let me play right field or second base or third base. Totally. Or, yeah. You know, it's. I mean, our, all three of our teams, and they're all very successful right now. As a result, are, are built that way, and, and yeah. you can't tell me chemistry doesn't matter because it does. No, of and, course and, it doesn't. It's about you know. I mean. When you're a professional athlete, obviously you want to have production or you're out of the league. You want to get paid. You get paid based on your production. So there's a natural instinct to, to want to be the guy that makes all the plays. But I'm here to tell you, it, it's you know, it's the best teams that win. It's not the team with the most talent. It's the best teams that win. And these teams here, that you know, the Lightning, the Rays, and the Bucks, they have guys that are unselfish. That's the only way you can put it. Like they're willing to do whatever it takes to win. They're winners. Um, they know the game and, and, and they want to win championships and, you know, good for the Bucks. They've broken through. They broke that drought of 12 years with no playoffs. The Rays trying to go back to the world series, just a game out of first place in the American league East. As we do this podcast after their win against uh, the Orioles and of course the Tampa Bay lightning back to back, you know, Stanley cup champions. And now they wait to see which player, uh, you know, that will, will be, taken in the expansion draft uh, of the ones they've exposed uh, here coming up soon. But, yeah, it's, it is remarkable that uh, that every team sort of has that that quality of sacrifice and unselfishness, and um, they're all champions right now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We just mentioned the lightning in the expansion draft. Okay, so I give you one player. You're betting your mortgage, not mine, on you get this right. What, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? You know the list. Who, if any, uh, player, and I assume they'll take one, does Seattle um, take from Tampa Bay's roster in the expansion draft that's unprotected? Well, it's interesting because Alex Kalorn was on a, a podcast, The Spit and Chicklets, uh, part of Barstool's, uh, the, their hockey podcast. And he was sitting there saying, disappointed that he's not protected, doesn't want to leave Tampa, wants to retire here, uh, would be very disappointed if he got selected by Seattle. I don't know if that has any impact on what Seattle does. Um, I don't think he'll be the one taken. I, I, I still would say Yanni's got the biggest odds. Uh, I think Andre Pallott is next based on his contract. But Kalorn's got some term left, but he is a lower number at $4.5 million. And I still think Cal Foote's a possibility on the defensive end. A young, up-and-coming defense, right-handed shot defenseman. So if I had to pick something and I'm not betting my mortgage on it, I would still say Yanni Gord's the pick. That's what I believe. I believe it's going to be Yanni Gord. And I think I think because he's such a dynamic uh spark plug um you know for any hockey team and and I just I just think it's a huge acquisition when you're starting a program about how you want to play, the effort you're going to give, um all those things that and defensemen might be a higher premium, I don't really know. Uh, maybe they go that route, but well they do um, have to take 14 forwards. Nine defensemen and three goalies. Yeah, which leaves them four other players they can pick. So, right, you could go as but, many as you know what thirteen defensemen if you choose. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the other part of this is, and and this is what you you just don't know too, is perhaps there's a a team that really wants Alex Kalorn, and so they work a deal with Seattle for Seattle to take Kalorn and then flip him, because the other thing that Seattle has is they've got to take thirty players. Yeah. Well, there's only 23 on your roster. But you're going to have to deal some of that. So know. some of these guys you're going to take are either you're going to send a AAA if they're young, or mm-hmm. you're going to have to flip some. And Vegas did this. There was four or five players they drafted and flipped right away to somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Uh, because you just you, you, there's too many players for your roster. And so you flip those for draft picks or younger pl- players that are not going to be in you know coming up to the NHL this year. So, you know, those are the things you don't know. And, and like, for instance, when the list came out, who would have thought Carey Price was going to be not protected by Montreal? And so Seattle all of a sudden had to decide, is he worth the risk on that? $10.5 million for five more years on his contract, I believe. Is he worth that? And, and they probably didn't even consider that as a possibility initially. And so, you know, the other thing is it's easy to sit there and say that Yanni Gore would be your pick if you're looking at the Lightning, who you're going to take. But you also have to look at, okay, here's the group of forwards we're going to take. And, and the thing is, it's not like they're drafting. It's not like your fantasy draft where you pick a player and then seven more players are picked before you get another pick. You know, you basically get to look at the whole board and pick your 30 players, one from each team. So maybe we have three other forwards that are just like Yanni Gord, but we don't have an Andre Pilat or not many available or Cal Foote or, you know, whatever player you're looking at. So it's. It's easy to look at it in a bubble from Tampa's perspective and say, well, if, if I was Seattle, I'd take Yanni Gord. But you got to look at the whole board, too. It looks like they've signed a goalie, Chris Dreger, from Florida. 
They might take Carey Price. You know, so not that the Lightning aren't worried about losing a goalie because Vasilevsky's protected, but I mean, it's things like that that happen in expansion draft that, you know, it'll be interesting what Seattle values. And then, like I said, it could be a team that says, hey, I'd really like Tyler Johnson, or I'd really like, you know, Matthew Joseph, or, you know, really, really see something in Ross Colton. And, you know, Seattle, I'll give you, you know, a, a second round pick next year to get Ross Colton now. And they say, okay, fine. Because we, you know, we know we can't take 30 players to to our team next year. So we've got to, you know, we'll have to flip some for picks and, and other things. So uh, I still think Yanni Gord's the pick, but it's definitely not a lock. Yeah, it would shock me if it's not um, to some degree, but you're right. There's a lot to choose from and a lot of things they could do, um, you know, sort of in the interim. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they got even with the Baltimore Orioles in their series, 93 win. Francisco Mejia with five RBIs stepping in for uh, Mike Zanino, who's been uh, a little nicked up of late. We'll see if he's going to catch the day game after the night game today or if they'll have to go back with Mejia. But, you know, I love this guy. I mean, he doesn't play a lot. Uh, obviously, they, you know, uh, Zanino's having a great year, especially with the home run ball and all-star and all of that. Really good defensive catcher. But when he's called upon, he delivers, and he had his best offensive game probably in his major league career. Not probably, he did. Uh, a big home run to give him a little separation there. Five RBIs, made a great defensive play, uh, throwing a runner out. And so, you know, the the sort of the Rays are blessed. I think this is the best catching situation they've had maybe ever. As far as a one-two, yeah. I mean, you yeah. Know, Wilson Ramos offensively was great for a half season. But they didn't have sure. the guy behind them per se. So yeah, I, I I think you know this probably is. I mean, catching's always been a particularly the offensive side of catching an issue for the Rays uh, throughout the history of the franchise, for the most part. Um, so to have two guys in Zanino, who's you know having a great year at the plate as far as power wise, and then Mejia, you know when he fills in is very capable and, and, you know, just another part of that Blake Snell trade when we got the mailbag question the other day, if the Razor, you know, have won that trade and it's far from over, but I mean, he is just another piece in that trade that you're going, wow, the Rays did pretty well on it. Yeah. I like him. I like him a lot. And I thought Shane McClanahan, you know, he gutted his way uh, through five innings, gave up just the one run four errors for the Rays. Their defense has sort of been lagging a little bit. I think they're playing a lot of guys in different positions. That's certainly part of it, but um, they've got to catch the ball better. They did make some great defensive plays again, like they always do to get out of some jams. But um, you know, McClanahan, uh, like I said, I think he would have gone deeper without some of those errors. But still got five innings, gave up just one run. You'll take that. And he's sortly he's you know sort of sort of grinding his way into you know that solid what number two starter of this staff right now. The way it's consisted. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to say Rich Hill's number one with Glass now out, and then you know McClanahan and Yarbrough's probably your three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why you know you'd like to get Glass now back for postseason if you make it that far, or trade they for a starter Chris, because I think you need get, more than what you got now. But I agree. You know, they may get Chris Archer back though. Well, which yeah, will be interesting. and we'll see yeah. how he does. I mean, he's in rehab, yeah. and Nick Anderson was thrown to batters today at the drop. Yeah, and Glass now was playing catch. I think. Yep. So you know. I mean, we're a long way from knowing. I mean, obviously, you know, Glassnow would be a, you know, a Kucherov like return if you were to get him, but he'd have to build himself up. It's not like he could go out there and throw six innings, uh, you know, when he when he comes back. But that would that obviously would would certainly make them feel a lot better about things. So, um, yeah, I I think it's. Uh, I look, they're one game out. 
um, the schedule is, is, is turning in their favor for now. But no matter what happens between now and the final week, when you've got to go to Houston and to the Yankees, you better have a little bit of a lead because those are the two teams you finish up the season with. And, and both those teams are going to be fighting for something and very good baseball teams to boot on the road. So, um, you know, this would be a good time uh, with all the games remaining with Baltimore uh, to try to get, get a little separation. It's about winning series now. You know, can you win two out of three? Can you meatloaf these teams three out of four and just keep sort of uh, chipping away at that lead that the Red Sox have had? Good good on uh, Rosarina too. He's a uh, couple of hits on Monday night. His first home run in over a month on Tuesday night. Yeah, home run in a double. Yeah, um, you really need his bat to do more. Absolutely, he's had a good. He's had a good year. Um, and, and look, he's never going to perform over a course of a season like he did in the postseason. I mean, those were off the charts numbers. But you need him to have a little more pop and a little more uh, oomph in your lineup. Um, you know, he's a guy that can that should be able to carry your team for a short time if needed. Um, and we really haven't seen that from him this year. I mean, he gets on base and and that, but the power numbers haven't been what you'd hoped. And 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 you just you don't. There's a lot of times you just don't. You know, you leave a game and you don't remember him. You know, he's not making huge impacts per se. Like I said, he's having a good year, but not not what you had hoped. Right, and and look, he's a victim of what was a historic mm-hmm. October. You know what I mean? And I and I think when you measure everything he does against that month. It's just unrealistic. I mean, he set records, major league records, um, you know, uh, uh, bettering some of the best players ever to play this game. Um, you know, guys like Derek Jeter and others. So difficult to to try to replicate that every time you, you, you know, get in the batter's box. But uh, to the point that he's, you know, he had a good night. He hit the, a couple of balls up the middle. He obviously hit the home run. And, um, you know, he's starting to play better. As we speak... Your Milwaukee Bucks. That's right. The Bucks win another championship, this time in the NBA. Unbelievable. They won four in a row against the Phoenix Suns. They win 105-98 to take the 2021 NBA championship. How about that? An incredible performance by Giannis. By the way, the entire list of players that have scored 40 points, 10 rebounds, and five uh, blocks in a finals game is Giannis. The first one ever to do that. That's the whole list. That's the whole list. He's the first to do it in the playoffs since Shaq back in 01 or something, I think I read. But, yeah. He's very emotional, of course. Uh, you know, what? what is what is spectacular, you know, this might be becoming now a, a face of the NBA. I mean, with an NBA title in Milwaukee, um, you know, where a, a lot of people said it couldn't be done. It's been 50 years back in the days of Lou Alcindor, right, before he became Kareem Abdul-Dabar and Oscar Robertson, um, to win a championship. He is as humble a superstar um, and a guy not looking to to go to L.A. or Miami or New York, um, but wanted to win it there. And, you know, like I said, there's some really good players on this basketball team, but um, I, I just – I like what he represents. I like – who he is. I don't think people have given him enough credit. I don't think anybody thought he could win a championship there and he has done it and he has done it in a year where the Lakers couldn't do it and the Brooklyn Nets couldn't do it. And and all these teams with these superstars, you know, Golden State Warriors, Houston Rockets, they all fell by the wayside and standing now on top of the mountain is Giannis two time MVP. Uh, maybe, maybe becoming the new face of the NBA did everything. 
uh, rebounded, assist, points, uh, stayed in the present. You know, he talked, he had that speech the other day where he said, you know, what you've done in the past, that's your ego talking. And, you know, you talk about the future, um, you know, that, that, that's sort of your pride talking. But when you're staying in the present, that's humility. He's the most humble guy um, that I've seen. And, and you know what? It shows that there are, there are other ways, right, there, you know, to each his own. But um, this is somebody who's approached, approached his, his craft and approached, uh, you know, his career a, a, in a different way. And I think there's room for everybody. And um, certainly you got to be happy for this kid. I mean, you know, from Greece, comes over here, um, like I said, signs a max contract to stay in Milwaukee and, and leads into an NBA title. So good for him. I'm happy for him. Not to mention, you know, my wife's family and my kids are just over the moon. Cause there's, <laughs> there's the Greek there. Listen, if you're Greek, you're good in this household period. It doesn't matter. Um, how about that though? What about, what about, uh, you know, how close was the state of Wisconsin to, uh, you know, they had a team in the NFC championship, of course, we remember what happened to Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. This will probably take the sting off of it for about another week. And then if Rodgers doesn't show up to training camp, oh, boy. Um, but they, they can enjoy their Milwaukee Bucks, their world champ. And you know what? The Brewers are having a pretty good year as well. The Brewers are having a very good year, particularly since they traded for Willie Adamas. And they're kind for of Willie Adamas, running yeah. away with the uh, National League Central at this point. Um you know, they, they swept the Reds, who were in second place in that division. So they're now six and a half games up. Yeah. You know, and on July 20th in the NL Central. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they've got a good shot. The Packers should be good again if Aaron Rodgers plays. Um, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, uh, according to my sources, Adam Rodgers was offered an extension of his contract to be the highest paid player, five years, $50 million a year, whatever. It's not about the money, okay? Mm-hmm. It's just not. Now, having said that, watch he'll sign for you know an extension. Well, he'll but, take the money, but yeah, but it, but this this is not you know he he's got money. He's going to get paid wherever he goes. Yeah, I mean hosting Jeopardy or playing football, he'll get paid either way. So yeah, so but I don't know. Oh, we're going to see him back in New England. I can tell you, or um, New England, see him back in Green Bay. <laughs> um, that would be a story, but I don't know if we're going to see him back in Green Bay. Can't believe we're we're just a couple days from the Bucks getting their rings, their Super Bowl. Tomorrow. 55 championship rings tomorrow. That's right. Not even a couple of days tomorrow. Oh, they get them Thursday. I'm sorry. Thursday. Tomorrow is Wednesday. Well, this podcast correct? is Wednesday. This podcast, you're right. We're so taping it will be tomorrow. Night, I'm taping it Tuesday night. Yeah. So you're right. Tomorrow will be the night that they go and they go to, to the amphitheater out there off of I-4 and um, have their little celebration and they get their Super Bowl championship rings. And then the next day is quarterback orientation, bright and early, 6 a.m. And then, uh, the rookies and the, and the full squad reports on Saturday. First practice is Sunday. We are here. We are at the uh, the beginning. And, and as Bruce Arians said, he can't wait um, for last year's team to go to bed on Thursday night as world champions. And the next day they wake up a whole new team <laughs> back back to uh, 2021 instead of 2020. So it, it the switch has flipped that that quickly. So. Football is back. Uh, I will be at the Rays today as they wrap up their series against the Baltimore Orioles for the businessman special in the afternoon because, you know, I just White House correspondent one day, Rays beat writer the next day. That's how we do things. Well, right you're verified so. on Twitter now, so you're a big deal. So, Yes, thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that because 
there are people that have been verifiably nuts about me not being verified. And for whatever reason, that check mark means a lot to those folks. So congratulations to you for making me finally go down the, the path of getting verified. Never knew how you could get verified. Didn't really care if I was, but I guess it means something. I'm not sure what. Um, but that check mark is by my name. So take that, all you verification trolls that uh, were on me for so many years. I am verified. And, uh, you know, that that just means I'll have better tweets or something. I don't know. I don't know what it means, to be honest with you. But but I have it. So we're going to have Tom Jones, right? He's our former radio partner. Yep. He'll be uh, with us tomorrow's Institute. podcast and maybe on Friday Fantastic. as well. Yeah. So we got him for a couple of days and a lot of stuff to talk about, obviously, uh, with the Bucks, the beginning of training camp. Tom Brady, what's he going to do for part two for his encore? Um, you know, certainly uh, uh, this team is is trying to go back to back. That's always exciting. And I think they're going to have a pretty good look at it, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll find out how many players are vaccinated, how that how that whole thing is going. So um, there's a lot to learn about this this uh, 2021 version of the of the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. So we'll be talking about that all week as well. So we'll keep it here for Tom Jones uh, tomorrow. And uh, we'll be back, of course, uh, as we are every Monday through Friday. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Sleepy Rick, signing off. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm